Praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. Hey guys, let me just encourage you on the Man Up Conference coming up to get signed up and come down. Uh, we did our own men's conference for eight years here, and uh, we had a great time, and we would get up to, uh, we never broke 200 men here, and last year I went down to check out what they're doing down there, Dr. Sam, who was just with us, and uh, last year there was over 2,000 men there, and uh, it's just an amazing, amazing time to get together and doing the exact same thing we did. A Friday night and Saturday here costs $45. We want to take a great group down. There's something powerful about men getting together, worshiping God. Men seeking God. And uh, so I encourage you, dads, I encourage you have teenage boys. Then, uh, you know, in, in, in our Bibles, it teaches us that men become adults at the age of 13. If you go to the, to, uh, the Hebrew faith and that and Jewish faith, then you find out that they have a bar mitzvah at the age of 13 and that, that child becomes a young man at that time, not a teenager. We get our kids and teenagers, but I think things would happen if we start recognizing our young men as young men. At the right age, so believe God can begin to speak into their heart and uh, do great things in their lives, even at a young age. And then another quick reminder, don't forget to get your word for the day. They're free. Great stuff. I'm going to share a quote out of it from this week that ties into this message. I'm always amazed at how relevant it is and uh, how awesome it is. Then last thing, if, uh, if uh, you would be a first service volunteer last year, I think we had 485 people in attendance on Easter and uh, so that's kids and everybody. But when we do one service, that kind of packs the house. So uh, if you would volunteer as a second service attender to be a first service attender and invite somebody with you. Amen. This Easter, refuse to come to church alone. Refuse. Believe if you ask them, they will come. Amen. That you could reach somebody. Well, I got kind of stoic in here right there. It's kind of... <laughs> Pressure, yeah, do it. But invite somebody, do that. Take one of the cards that we have made up. They're going to be in your bullet. Take one of those. Use that as an invite card. Invite somebody to come. Believe God with them. Invite them to come to first service and be there and uh, make some room for people and, and new people that will come in second service. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen? Amen? All right. Well, let's jump into this this morning. And uh, the last several weeks, we've just been on this message on... Taking the leap of faith and believing God and reaching out and going beyond boundaries that we normally find ourselves in. It's easy for us to get set in boundaries. Amen. Just to get set into boundaries. Most of us are creatures of habit. How many have a morning routine? Amen. How many don't like getting up except at a certain time? Amen. I mean, some people are early risers, late right? but you have a set time. Then the first thing, everybody has the first thing they do when they get up, and you have the other things, you do that, somebody have to have your coffee, have to do this, have to do that, and stuff. So I'm a morning coffee guy. So I get up, I have like 18 cups of coffee, and that, so I make my wife a pour over, I make myself a whole pot. So uh, it's all good. Praise the Lord. I talk faster than she does. Amen. But in doing that, it is so important that uh, we understand that with routines, it's easy for us to get into routines with God. And by faith in God, you have to break yourself out of your routines. You have to make yourself do what's uncommon, unnatural, uncomfortable to walk by faith. And uh, last week we gave you a few illustrations. We're talking about some things. One of the things we talked about was the area of being on a sports team. And that being on a sports team, it meant that, you know what, it's one thing to join the team, to sign up and say, you know what, I want to be on the team. And that, but then it's not just enough to join the team, get the uniform, sit on the bench and have your name on the roster. Somewhere you got to get in the game. You have to get in the game. You have to play. And you have to be available for the coach to call upon you. And you're, you're there. You're waiting. You don't put yourself in. The coach puts you in. But you're trained. You're ready. You're dressed. You're on assignment. You're there. If you need me, I am here. And so you are available. The kingdom of God is just like that. We're supposed to be prepared and tying this into seasons of opportunity and times of purpose that we get ourselves positioned and ready and trained up in the word of God. So we're ready. God, anytime you need to put me in the game, here I am. Because it's no good if you're in a game and, and you need somebody to go in and you call them. They go, hey, you know what? I'm just not feeling it this week. Now, I know it's an important game. If we win this game, we go to the championship. You know, I just, 
I'm not into it today. Maybe put somebody else in. I'm sure somebody else would like to play in my place. And that. And if I was your coach, I'd tell you, I won't just put somebody in. You can just go home right now and you have no reason to return. Amen. You need to be glad I'm not God. <laughs> my pastor said it like this years ago. Brotherhood said, his brotherhood said, if I was God, I'd do this. I don't like you. I don't like you. <laughs> Amen. But and that we need to be in the game. Amen. You need to be ready. You need to be because it was not just enough to have the uniform and have the title and do everything else. This is a participation sport. And so we've been talking about taking the leap of faith. God wants you to take the leap of faith, to believe God that would literally, God would literally work through your life for his glory. Amen. If you go to this church, seeing me here should give you great encouragement. People who know me should be able to go, God could use anybody. I'm serious. God will and can use anybody who will believe and take the leap of faith to believe that God will use them. That's all it takes. But this happened yesterday as we were cleaning up and uh, uh, so they could be ready today. Uh, we're putting a few of the things away that we've had and, and putting them back in storage. And we have a, an older expression machine in that we bought years ago. And on top of the expression machine was one of the little cups that you catch the shots in. And, and this dollar was in that cup and it was all wadded up and, and it was torn almost into three pieces and it was covered with dust. And I looked inside that little cup and I said, that's a dollar. It needs some love, but it's a dollar. Amen. And I know what dollars are for. They're not just supposed to be wadded up and stuffed in a cup and left on a shell. Amen. This was meant to be in exchange, in, in, in a system of exchange. It has an ascribed value, and it's meant to be put into the marketplace for exchange. So I took it home, and I loved it. And I shared my scotch tape plan of redemption. <laughs> and it's a little raggedy looking. It's got some torn edges, but it still has its full value. And see, when it comes to taking the leap of faith, some of you think because, because see right here on this side, this side was, this chunk was torn completely off. You can see the reflection of his healing. And uh, so this side was torn completely off, and this side was here, but he's a little rough around the edges. And that, but it's still a whole dollar. And this will still get what a brand new dollar would get. It still has a value. And sometimes when it comes to taking our leap of faith, we've been torn, we've been abused, we've been watered up, we've been stuffed in a corner, we've had the dust of life collect upon it, and we think we no longer have full value. But when you come to God, God shares His scotch, place, scotch tape plan of redemption with you and puts you back together because He says you still have all your value in His eyes. So whoever stuffed this in this cup, did not appreciate value. Because, they, hey, you know, it's torn and it would take too much of my... I'm, I'm glad. Years ago, I used to sing a song by DeGarmo and Key. How many remember the group DeGarmo and Key? Three people. That's awesome. And uh, they had a song they did, Picking Up the Pieces, that God uses what other people throw away. And he takes it and he's like in the junkyard. People throw it away and he reworks it and turns it back in to its original glory. Wayne Watson, I used to sing that song too, called Touch of the Master's Hand about the violin nobody wanted until the master picked it up and played on it. And then the bid went up from a dollar to thousands of dollars when it was touched by the master's hand. And I'm telling you today that if you will let the master's hand touch your life, the value that you have always had, regardless of what, regardless of what life has done to you, in God's eyes, you still have all of your value. 
Do you understand that? In the plan of redemption, God restores you. And so sometimes we have to get beyond that. And then the other thing is sometimes in life, I shared last week about our, our, our number uh, four grandson in, in that he, J.D., in learning to walk, he wants to walk, but he comes up to the cracks in the sidewalk and he, he just wants to go. But then instead of walking by faith, he begins to walk by sight and he sees those cracks and he gets caught and so he turns around and he goes here and then he finds himself caught in the proverbial trap and he wants to go and so it looks like this <laughs> stay with me son Oops, crap. <laughs> There's another one. <laughs> Come on. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> And being, being the loving, compassionate grandfather I am, I just laugh at him. Awesome. Amen. But that's what happens. To us. Lord, I want to walk by faith. We're out there. We start walking with God. We get going. And oh, no. I consider I walk by sight. And I see something. And I have the crack of my hesitation. And I turn around. And I go back to the other way. And I find out I'm surrounded by cracks. Amen. And I keep hesitating. And I'm just stuck in this middle going nowhere. But then what I actually do, I actually go over and I grab his hand and I make him take that step. Of, and then he takes off. And he goes good until he, as long as he keeps his eyes up, he does great. But as soon as he looks down. And see, that's why you're supposed to keep your eyes up instead of down. So that you'll step over all the things that cause you to hesitate. We walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 has been our passage that we're on, and it's been impossible. It is impossible. Say, impo say impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God. So no matter what I'm doing, oh, I'm walking good, but if I stop and I hesitate and I go back, oh, God, I believe you can use me. God, I'm going to use you. To, ah! You just have to take the leap of faith. Amen. Peter walking on the water was doing fine until he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the water. So there has to be something in our life. We can't just wear the uniform. We can't just be going through the motions. We actually have to be willing to be put in the game. Well, what if I get thrown in the game and I get torn? I get abused. I get used up. That's all right. God's got lots of tape. He will keep you whole and together. Amen. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Make this declaration again with me today. Father, today I choose to break free from all doubt, fears, insecurities, and the lies of the devil that seek to hinder and restrain my faith in you. No longer will I be content to be a spectator in the kingdom of God. Today I choose to take the leap of faith, believing to see all that you have purposed to come to pass in my life and to live for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So what are we talking about? Seasons of opportunity and times of purpose. Seasons of opportunity are always connected to times of purpose and destiny, and they require the leap of faith. Today you have a fill-in-the-blank outline. Glory to God. Today, you have to be participating. You have to watch, look, and listen. You have to be interactive. Why? You have to be the same thing with God. You have to be interactive with God. You've got to pay attention. You've got to believe that God wants to speak to you. And you've got to be ready to write it down. You've got to be able to record it. You've got to write it upon your heart. You've got to brand it inside of you. Somebody say amen. God wants it to require to take that leap of faith to fulfill our purpose and destiny. For the believer, these are the times when the Lord is getting ready to reveal and accomplish His purpose through you. For the believer, our life must be connected to His purpose. Your life must be connected to His purpose. What does that mean? That means God is calling the plays, not you. 
For the believer, not for the person who is a Christian. You can do anything you want with your life. You can wear the label. You got the, you got the uniform. You're in there. You know, I'm on the team. But do you play? No, I just wear the uniform and sit on the bench. Then you're not a believer. You're just a uniform wearer. <laughs> Believers walk by faith. They have access. That's why James said, James chapter one, or chapter two, he says, hey, you say you have faith? James says, I will show you my faith by my works. My faith is an action. It's me acting upon God's word, hearing God's word, believing God's word, and taking that step, crossing over those barriers that cause me to hesitate and turn back. I believe this, and I'll declare it again. 2016 is a season of opportunity and time of purpose for your life and for our church. I believe it is a, this is a pivotal year for our nation. That's right. And it's gonna, I, be, I believe our nation really is at a crossroads. This is, this, I'll tell you this about the election. If the church doesn't get their head out of their proverbial hiney, yeah. I'm just trying to say it as modestly as I can in the Greek this morning. And vote. And vote. I'm listening to people saying, hey, if my guy doesn't get in, I'm not voting. That is the stupidest thing anybody could ever do. Because we're going to give it over to the opposition. And our nation is at a pivotal point. Yeah, I, I think there's... I, 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 every time an election comes up, I look at the people that run and I go, 350 million people, and that's the best we could get. But that's what we got. So we got to go for the best in dealing with that. And it may not be your God. But if we get so prideful and because it's not the person I like, glory to God, I ain't voting. You just sold yourself down the road. And so it's pivotal. Just like for us men. Guys, we are in a season when we need men. Why is legacy so important? Because as men, we need fathers in our homes. We need spiritual men in the house of God. We need mature men as leaders in the house of God. We don't need the women setting the spiritual standard. God, oh, I better not go there. God calls men. And I'll put it to you like this. People look, well, look, at, don't like women ministry and doing that. Catherine Kuhlman had the best statement. Catherine Kuhlman said, I'm doing what a man refused to do. And there are some women in single-parent homes stepping up, being the father of the house because a man refuses to do it. But we need to take you outside and kick your proverbial hiney. All right. I'm kind of like the Donald Trump of pastors. I may not be politically correct, but I'll be biblically accurate. Amen. Hallelujah. So, but in a season, about, this is such a season that we need to be in. This will be a year for God's people to rise up in the anointing and authority that God has given to us to establish His kingdom. God said to the prophet, Son of man, prophesy. Son of man, prophesy. Next slide, Luke. Son of man, prophesy. Yeah, you do. You're ahead of me. The next one, well, it should be the next one. Son of man prophesied. Next slide. Okay. All right, we loaded the wrong one then. You're all, you clicked on the wrong one. Okay, never mind. Moving right along. All right, look inside your outline. Never has so much been in the hands of so many to accomplish so much for the kingdom of God. I believe that this will not only be our season of opportunity, but also of accountability before God. Also of accountability before God. We had it first service, should still be in there. Hallelujah. It should also be accountability before God. Go back to Son of Man, prophesy. You have to declare what you want to see. When I understand the Word of God and what God's Word says, then I can prophesy. God said to Zacchaeus, uh, I mean to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? Jesus brought him to me. What do you want me to do? You would think that a blind man asking for mercy, you would know that he wants to see. But God made him say, what do you want me to do? And you need to look at the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. You need to hide it in your heart. And you need to hear the voice of God and when you hear it you need to declare what you want to see God do through your life according to what he's stirring on the inside of you 
Amen. You have to speak and you have to declare. Think about it. But with accountability, we did a whole season, a, a series on stewardship. And when you read the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ, He brings us to that place of putting and releasing His resources into our hands. But then at the end of the stewardship, He shows up and He holds us accountable for what type of stewardship we walked in. Are you with me? And so it is so important that we understand that. These are the times which bring about the testing of our faith. The testing of our faith. What does that mean? That we get in that time, James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patient. God, I want to walk for you. But then there's that crack in the road. There, there's that perception problem that I have. And so it's a testing of my faith. Am I going to step over or am I going to bounce back? Anytime you're walking in a season of, of opportunity, a time of purpose, you have to understand there's going to be that place where your faith will always be tested. You could write this down on the back of your outline. Brotherhood said this. My pastor always said this. Every decision you make for God will always be tested. Write it down on the back of your outline. Every decision you make for God will be tested. Well, I just, people go, I'm going to start honoring God with my finances. Man, I started giving. Next thing you know, challenges showed up in my finance. Why? It's just a test to see if you mean it or not. Anybody can do it if there's nothing required. You have to find out. You say, well, you know, we're doing the Dave Ramsey thing. People say, well, I want to get out of debt. Well, will you stop charging? No, you're not serious then. Amen. So it's a test. There, there will always be the challenge. There will always be the test. Well, the need arise. Well, we have to have it. No, you don't. You don't have to have anything. You can plan. You can make it work. But there will be a test. There will be a challenge to you to make that happen. So James says, count it all joy when you've fallen into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, endurance, steadfast consistency. What does that look like? When the test comes, I find myself asking, am I committed to his cause? Am I committed to his cause? Am I, am I working his plan or mine? And then have I heard his voice? Am I calling the plays or is he calling the play? Thirdly, am I willing to act? Am I willing to act? In this season of opportunity and fulfill the time of purpose in my life. Because I, I can do all the right things, but somewhere I have to act. Somewhere I have to put into action. Talk is cheap. Amen. How many heard the statement, show me the money? Amen. Talk about it, do all that. Okay, get in. I have people come to me, Pastor, I think we ought to do this. I think we ought to do that. I say, where do you want to sign up? Because I, I have a, I'm busy. I don't, I don't need you to find things for me to do. <laughs> Amen. I can keep myself busy all by myself. Amen. But to people, I think we ought to do this. I think we ought to do that. Okay, where does your name go in here? Well, it doesn't. I just think we ought to do that. Okay, glory to God. God bless you. Bye. <laughs> Amen. So, because, yeah, I, I am, am I willing to act? In that season. But often these are small acts of obedience in the season of opportunity and times of purpose are testing times of faithfulness to see if we can be entrusted with the true riches of the kingdom. And we actually, we're almost finishing there. This is where we finished last week. Yeah. But in this, Luke chapter 16, Jesus said, if you have been faithful in what is another man's, God will entrust you with what is your own. He talked about if you're faithful in little... You'll be faithful in mud. And if you can't be faithful in righteous, unrighteous mammon, who will trust you with the true riches of the kingdom? Money is the least thing you can give to God. It's the least, really. Money. Why? Okay. Anybody want my redeemed dollar? Sally said, sure. No, there's no trade. No. But see, I can give her a dollar. I can get another dollar. Do you know what I can't get more of? My time. And my time is my... See, what we do is we give my dollar. I'll give you a dollar because I can get more dollars so I don't have to give you my time. Which is why Jesus, when he was ministering, he never asked anybody for money. He asked them for their life. 
He asked him for your whole life. He didn't ask you for part of your life. He didn't ask you for 10%. See, we operate in tithing because it's a principle that's connected to a promise that fulfills God's purpose in our life. But Jesus never asked us just to honor him with 10% of our life and then think we're all in. He asked you for your life. Christianity is death, burial, and resurrection. We are called being born again, raised up in a brand new life, living a new life. And that new life belongs to him. I'm crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. And the life that I now live... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And so now I give my life to Him. And I believe that by sowing my life into the soil of His kingdom, that His kingdom is the, the field that I sow my life into. My life is a seed and I sow my life into the soil of His kingdom. And I reap the harvest that He ordained for my life to have. Because every seed that's created by God has an assignment on the inside of it. Rick Turnage is a seed created by God and there's a God-ordained harvest on the inside of him. But he has to sow his life into the soil that brings that harvest out. You can't sow it into any soil. It'll only produce in the kingdom, which is why people try to be Christian and sow their life in the world and try to have a kingdom harvest. Kingdom harvest doesn't come out of the world. It comes out of his kingdom. And your life has to be sown in there till you see what's the potential on the inside of you. That's when I got saved. I, I'm amazed. I, I was, in all the things I did, I just give my life to God and then this life has flown out of me now for 37 years. I go, God, you are amazing. But I found out I was a seed and this assignment was on the inside of me. You don't make ministry happen. You don't, I want to be this, I want to be that. When I plant my garden, I don't hold up a seed and say, what would you like to be this year? You are what you are. Get in the ground, produce. We're out here, I, I don't think I want to be beans. I want to be carrot. You're stupid. You will never be anything but a bean. You are a bean. You will waste your life. You'll be frustrated, desiring to be a carrot when you could have been a bean. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody's had identity crisis. I needed to share that this morning. <laughs> Amen. What is a season of opportunity? What is a season of opportunity? I believe it's a very specific time in which we are to act based upon the situation that is before you. We've all had them. It's a, it's a specific time where you have to act. There's a situation where you have to act. And how you act in that season determines whether you reach your destiny or not. There's not a lot of options. You just have to act. It comes in a lot of different ways. Investments. Taking a job. Buying a home. How many have had seasons that opportunities came up and you go, Ugh, and, then, and, you, and you hesitated and it's gone. You can't go, well, I'll come back later. I shared in first. When we first started our church, there was a gentleman that did, we're about three years in, and this gentleman was in a financial strait, and, and he had restored a 65 Mustang completely immaculate to original state. He called and said, Pastor, man, we're, we're in a bind, and I, 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 need, I, need, I need to sell my car. Do you know anybody who give me $5,000 for it? And me of little faith, I didn't, I just... I don't know. I mean, I didn't have it. We're just getting started. I'm working full-time pouring concrete, working full-time starting the church, doing this stuff, and we got enough at the end of each month to see the beginning of the next month. I didn't have, we didn't have savings. We didn't have nothing, stuff like that. And so I'm thinking, I didn't know people well enough in the church. They call up everybody in church. Say, anybody want to make an investment on this or do that? I said at first, I should have just went and robbed a Jiffy Mart or something and got 5000 bucks and bought the car. No, I shouldn't say. Anyway. I should have, whatever, I should have got $5,000 somewhere if I'd have believed God, if I'd have taken it, an opportunity not only would have helped that gentleman and maybe held on to it and given it back to him in restoration. Right you know, you don't know, but you miss opportunities. Great opportunity, and you've had them in different ways and situations. Life is full of situations where, where people and circumstances are changed, and it's an opportunity. Are you with me? 
And you miss it because you hesitate or we don't have the faith. Whatever it is before you, it's a crack and you turn around and you go the other way. For a church, what about buying a facility? What about obeying God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? There's a season of opportunity. If you're going to flow in the... Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We read this last week, but I want to read it to you out of the New Living Translation. You turn there, and for time's sake, I'll read while you're turning just to keep you busy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 says this out of the New Living Translation. A spiritual gift is given... To each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So we can, a gift is given to you and me, to each one of us, so we can help each other. If Deborah is in a point of need in her life and the Spirit of God has put gifts on the inside of me and she needs something today, she is in a point of need in her life today, I can't go, well, you know what, I, I, God's stirring something in me. Well, I'll I'll wait. I'm sure she'll be able to hold on till next week. I'm sure she'll be able to hold on till next time. No, the season is right now. The time of opportunity is right now. And I have to be willing to take the leap of faith. And if I do that, get this. A gift from God. A gift from God put inside of you. So that God, by His Spirit, would flow through your life into her life at her point of need. Now tell me you can buy that with money. You can't buy that. Jesus said, so if you're faithful in the little thing, then you get entrusted with the true riches of the kingdom. So everything ties together. But God has given it. But that's just a season. I can't wait on God. I can't put it off till later. They need that miracle right now. She needs a healing. She needs a word of wisdom. She needs a word of knowledge. She needs discerning a spirit. And is that the right relationship? Is that the right engagement? Is that the right place to be involved? She needs that voice in her life. She needs that edification, exhortation, and comfort that comes through the prophetic word. She needs that now, not next week. And that's that place of accountability. But bless God, i got to take the jump because i got to believe God would use me. And that's probably what separates. I am stupid enough to believe God would use me. No matter what my dollar bill looked like. God has said he would use me. Because it's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. He's the one who does it. It doesn't matter my condition. It doesn't matter my status. The coolest thing about God is we think on a natural plane. God doesn't think natural. God doesn't think. That's why he always uses people nobody ever thought he would use. Amen. Which is just what Catherine Kuhlman said. I'm doing what a man wouldn't do. Why? Because somebody missed their season of opportunity, but God refused to have his plan fall short. There were too many people he wanted to see healed. There was, he wanted to reveal his glory and his power, so he'll do it through who's available. Amen. It was meant for somebody else, but God raised somebody else up to take their place. Are you with me? What about giving our life to Christ as the Savior? There's a season for this. A day to be saved, not just whenever I'm ready. People approach God, well, you know, I'm not ready to go to church. I'm not ready to get saved. I'm not ready to do this yet. But hey, are you ready to breathe today? Yeah. Hey, there's, we don't get that kind of choice. I got all kind of time in the world. Oh, is that right? Is that right? Be glad you weren't in the car with the guy in Oliverse the other day. I mean, just in a car, Sue, Sue told me a story. Guy in Oliver, during the rain, street was flooded. Guy drove around the barricade, drove into the, into the flooded area. He got out, but his passenger drowned. Yeah, that was just the other day. Well, hopefully that person wasn't saying, you know what, one of these days I'll get saved. I mean, day after day after day, there are people who are passing away without a moment's notice. Suddenly. That's why the Bible says today is the day. It's a season of opportunity. What does that mean? Because look at it. Genesis 6 and verse 3 says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. That word strive there means that it will not rule to judge or contend. God's not going to contend with you forever. How you been? How many of you ever tried to help somebody that didn't want help? How many finally got tired and gave up? Now you know what, the holy, what, the, that, what that verse means. You've tried, you've tried, you've tried, you've tried. They just choose to stay stuck on stupid. 
Amen? They choose, they choose to live there. If you do that, if you do that, that's not going to work. Now, I know it. I'll, you know what? I'll tell you what. I know everybody does that. It won't happen to me. Okay, go ahead, Bubba. Go ahead. And they do that, and then they hit again. And, and then when they have the train wreck, then they call you up. Will you help me? I tried to help you get in the wreck. Amen? And so finally, you just go, hey, you know, I'm done. That's good. And so we've all been there with people. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means you're not going to contend with them anymore. I'm not contending with you anymore. You, you like it that way? Go ahead. God bless you. I release you. I release. I love you, but I release you. And that's what that verse means. God says, I love you, and my love would rather you would respond. But I'll release you to your choice. And people don't know when that day is. John 6, says that, that we only come to the Father by being drawn by the Spirit. So the Spirit's not always going to contend and drive. We need to seize the moment. It's a carpe diem statement. Seize the day. First, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2 says today is the day of salvation, not next week. Today is the day to be right with God. Because seasons pass because they're defined by a specific time frame with identifiable characteristics. How many know last night told us what season we are in? You know, Friday and Saturday, yesterday, last couple of days, reminded us this is winter. February was kind of confused. February's like, no, this is May. No, this is February. It's supposed to look more like March than, it look, than May. Amen? But either way, you know, you look at that and go, oh, no, this is great. I'm going to do all that. No. And then March shows up because we're still in winter. It has identifiable characteristics. Spring will come and then summer and then all that stuff. Are you with me? Seasons in God are the same way. They have identifiable characteristics. There are others who are standing by while you're taking your time to decide if you will act in your season. And they can steal the season and seize the moment if you hesitate too long. Why? Because we get challenged by fear. Fear gets us. We seize. We wait. And somebody else steps in and seizes that moment. Wow. Jesus encouraged us to seize the moment. Because he said, for you, you have not with me. For me, you have not always with you. Because seasons change. first time I saw this principle in the Bible, I began studying the three times Jesus was anointed. If you read the scriptures, you'll find out when Jesus began his ministry, at the beginning of his ministry, there was a woman of the city who came in and anointed him with oil. And it filled the room, and that's the first time Judas said, hey, you know what, this could have been sold. And then you read on, and, and he goes through this anointing process, and his ministry process, and then when you get to if I get it right, John chapter 12, I believe it is, you get to where it says six days before the Passover. And he's at Lazarus' house, and Mary, Lazarus' sister, anoints him with oil. And then in Matthew 26, verses 1 and 2, you find that it says two days before the Passover. And here's what we meant. People sometimes, they read that, oh, that's the same incident. No, that very specifically happened at the beginning. Happened six days before. The scripture said six days before and then two days before. And at two days before, two days before. Now see, the woman had no idea what was going on. But something was stirring on the inside of her. And she says, I've received this forgiveness. And, and I have to express my love. And, and, and I know that he's there. So I know where he is. So I'm going to seize the moment. I'm going to seize the day. I'm going to apply carp diem. Seize the day. This is the only opportunity that I know I have. So she took the leap of faith. And she broke in. And she anointed Jesus with this oil. Two days before his betrayal. Three, a whole year's worth, of expensive stuff. It costs 300 denarii. A denarii is a day's wages. 300 days' wages worth of oil. People say wasted on him. What was this great way? Jesus said, She has done this for my burial. 
And watch it. And what she has done will be spoken of her wherever the gospel is preached, as long as it is preached. So she seized the moment, and that one act of obedience in a season of opportunity for a time of purpose. She had no idea. She's not one of the disciples. She isn't in there where she said, I'm going to be betrayed. No, she just, something is stirring in her, and she moves. She anoints him for his burial. Now get this that anointing oil is so powerful, and that aroma is so strong. And Jesus has anointed his whole body that while he's being beaten, while he's being scored, every time he sweats, how many of you have had perfume on him when you get hot, the aroma? And so while he's going through there, he's smelling that anointing. And he's remembering why he's there. But it took a woman who came in from the outside. Not one of the ones who was around him. They're too caught up in the confusion. But it took a woman of the city, not even named... But her act is recorded for all of eternity and wherever the gospel is preached. And Jesus, while he's hanging on the cross, he's smelling the aroma of a person who operated in a season of opportunity and anointed him for his burial. And we get around and people don't understand why are you doing that? Why are you involved in this? You never know the act that God is asking you to do. What significant it plays in the kingdom of God. I need the worship team to come back. And it's so important that you stay in your lane in your season. You get a word from God. See, all I know, I've been praying about it for years. Ever since we've been in this building. When we moved into this building. And we started renting. Say, God, I'm not, we're not going to rent a building forever, but this is where we are. This is what we can afford. This is what we're going to do. And then as we've grown and, and, and we start looking at things, we put all this money in, into uh, fixing this place up, making it usable, which is just the right thing to do. Right. Amen? And so you start doing that. And, and then we've been looking at, well, do we buy? Do we sell? I mean, what do we do? Well, if we buy it, we could do all that. And then last week it just went out. This isn't it. This isn't it. This is not the place that will be the legacy of Solid Rock Faith Center. This isn't it. Because when it comes to legacy, you have to live with that understanding. Even God preaches in legacy. In Acts chapter 2, He says the promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children. And so you and I, if we're walking with God, our walk with God should leave a legacy to our children and to our children's children. Not about your name, not about it, but it's about the kingdom. It's about a, 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 a relay ray, and you're passing the baton. So you pass it to your children, and it's left in a way that it goes to your children's children. And so you have legacy. And so when God put it in me, he just said, this isn't it. I said, well, what are we going to do? I, I don't, I don't, listen, I don't have to know what I'm going to do. I have my lane. This isn't it. This is my lane right here. I don't know. Lord of God, this isn't it. Woohoo! This isn't it. All I have to do is stay right here. I just have to walk in this isn't it. Amen. How does that work? I, I, you, you, if you can get this, it'll help you. When we were 19 years before we opened the Lord's, now 29 years ago, when God put it in my heart in Bieber, California, to build a gymnasium and a youth outreach center. The people there didn't want to go down that lane. So it took two years of being uncomfortable for God to rearrange things and relocate us and get us here to get people who would run with what God wanted to do. But from the day that He put it in me to the day that we opened the doors was 19 years. But all I knew is that one day we will reach out to young people. We'll have a youth outreach center. And then Doug starts the Lord's Gym. I go, man, that sounds exa- that's exactly what's been in my heart. All these- We'll do that. And then for eight years, we say we're going to have a Lord's Gym. For eight years, we will have a Lord's Gym. We will have a Lord's Gym. You know what happened? We have a Lord's Gym. That's right. 
You know why? Because I know how to stay in my lane. I know when God speaks it, it's not up to me to bring it to pass. It's up to me to agree and just take my acts of faith. Be faithful in the little things right here. I don't have to go, how's it going to... No, I'm right here. And just by agreeing and just by moving, God begins to orchestrate everything else around. And it comes to pass. And then you wake up and you go, suddenly, there it is. People go, wow, that was fast. They go, yeah, you should have been here 19 years ago. It's crazy fast. I've been fast as 19 years I've ever seen in my life. Amen. But how? Just by staying in your lane. I shared it in first service. Some of you, we, we, we live in a time of broken relationships. I separated from Sean's mom when he was two years old. And when that separate, I grew up in a broken home. And when I got married, I said, I never want my kids to experience what I experienced. I don't want that for my kids. I hated it. But I did everything that causes it. So then when the marriage failed, I'm devastated. I could care less about life. And I was on a self-destruct kind of involuntary suicide. I didn't care if I lived. I really didn't. I'd lost everything that meant anything to me. I literally called my dad who I lived with since I was two years old. Him and my mom divorced when I was two. And I said, Dad, can I come home? If I can't get out of here, I won't be alive much longer. So my dad in Marysville, and I left Billings, Montana, came to, to Marysville. My dad had given his life back to the Lord. My dad now on his fourth marriage. Giving his life back to the Lord. Going to New Life Assembly. And out of my brokenness, I just walk into that church. I walk into a prayer room on December 13, 1978. And I kneel down and say, God, I've lost everything. My dollar bill's a mess. My life is torn. It's broke. There's nothing left in me. God, I'll give you my life. If you can use my life, I'll give you my life. And God just brings his forgiveness into my life. And I say, God, I'll just live for you the rest of my life. And I just get this lane. I'm going to live for God the rest of my life. God, I'll live for you the rest of my life. I won't go any other way. I'm just going to live for you. I'll, I'll walk in your purpose for my life. And so here we are. We're walking in that. And I left. When Sean was two, I left. I didn't see him till he was five. And Sue and I got married. And we drive up to see him. He's five years old. And then we leave. We come back down. And we could barely afford to bring him out every almost every other summer for a few weeks we go through that and then we're in Bieber and God's through just saying okay to God we're in Bieber pastoring this little church and in February of 1997 Jack Dempsey's there not the fighting guy but another not, not Jack Larry Dempsey I'll get it Larry Dempsey's there he's preaching it's a worship seminar and I'm there and God speaks the spirit of God says today I've restored your son to you. I wrote it in the cover of my Bible, February. Today, God restored my son. Not, not 87. And I wrote it there. But I'm, and, and, and I just stayed right here. I didn't call him up and I didn't say, Hey, Sean, you're restored. Come out, pack your bag. God gave you back. I, didn't, I don't have to get out of my lane. I didn't speak the word. I don't have to make it happen. I just got to stay in my lane. I just got to stay in my lane. And just being faithful in my lane, then God is working in his life. He comes out, he, go, he gets saved. He goes to youth camp, gets saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and, and just through all the turmoil, through all that. And God orchestrates it. And then in February of 1997, 10 years later, He's sitting right there where Leah's sitting. And his sister Jamie, who had been praying him almost every night for five years, oh God, save my brother, let him come live with us, oh God. Save my brother, let him come live with us. Next thing you know, he's sitting right here. And then at the end of the service, the altar call's given. Next thing you know, here's my son and my daughter standing here. He's given his life to the Lord. He's been here ever since. This year's 19 years. I waited 18 years, but I've been in 19 years of restoration. Amen. And not only that, he's been in the ministry 
for 17 years. And not only that, he married this beautiful prize of a woman. And not only that, I got four amazing grandkids. Woo! Amen. Because watch, watch. Because we miss it. We think our season, we, we, we get the word of the Lord. Oh, the palace, Joseph, you will be the leader. Joseph, you will be the leader. You'll be the leader. But it wasn't until Joseph was in the palace that he understood the pit. Because to get you there, he has to take you here. You have to go here to get there. But through that whole process, Joseph never hated his brothers. When he was sold into slavery, when he got to Potiphar's house, he worked as a he just stayed in his lane. He had the word of the Lord. He just stayed in his lane. And he was faithful in the small thing. So there he is, a slave in Potiphar's house, and he makes that man his holdings increase and everything is entrusted to him and then he gets lied about and thrown in prison but he stays in his lane and then they turn the prison over to him and then the people come in who could get him out and they forget him and he stays in his lane and then God gets him out and then his family gets redeemed and he said you meant it for evil but God meant it for good and that's what happens in the season of opportunity in a time of purpose. Is that you have to go through the times that seem like they're evil. That seem like, but you just stay in your lane. You stay in your lane and you become faithful. Whatever is before you right now, just keep doing it. One thing, I, is because I just kept pastoring, just kept doing. We leave Bieber, we come here and all this stuff. And, and then when Sean comes in, everything that he was involved in and wanted to be in was in the house. I've never had to try to hold him here or keep him here. Desire has been fulfilled in the house. You try to get it. You try to make it happen. You try to make them happy. You try to do that. And it doesn't work. And all you get is frustration because you won't stay in your lane and be faithful to God. I helped myself whether I helped anybody else. Glory to God. Amen. So what do you do? Take the lead. Now watch. The whole time I want my son and I want him. You know what God's asking me to do? Give myself away into other people's lives. You help other people have their families restored. You minister to other people. You give out to Because what you do for others, God will make happen for you. Glory to God. Take the leap of faith. Bow your heads with me this morning. Watch this. Keep your head bowed. Listen to this. Teresa got this word of knowledge or somebody here you've been bad.